coming up in Need to Know. Those sexy, angry, mean Scorpios are coming and we'll tell you what you need to do to gird your loins. In all the fields, we talk big love, big beds, and polyamory. And in Gotta Do, we're encouraging you to pull out that journal and write down all of those fantasies. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your very best life. This here is Warden Webster. I couldn't read today. <laughs> That's okay. I'm still human. I'm still here. I'm fabulous. Doesn't matter. Who needs a reading? Hello. Hello, Bianca. How are you? I am. I'm tired. You already know the week we've had. So I could use a, a, a little nap, a little siesta. How are you? Um, I'm not as tired because I just woke up from a nap. And apologies <laughs> to you, Bianca, for keeping you waiting because hmm. I was a little bit late to the recording session today. So my apologies, my dear. But you know what? We're going to have a good show anyway because I am what? Ready to go. Today's episode of Ward and Webster is brought to you by the letter G. G as in glory. Now, <laughs> it could be glory hole. It could but be. But believe it or not, but believe it or not, I'm not going that direction today because you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I was actually thinking of something else, Bianca. I have always been fascinated. By the way, it's also Orgasmic October, so this is all fit. Okay. I've always been weird that human beings invoke God when they're about to come. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. So when I say glory, that's the context I'm using because I'm trying to understand Bianca in orgasmic October. Where did that come from? What was the origin of, what was the origin of putting God at the center of our orgasms? So, So I have actually heard, I had a, I had a similar conversation many, many, many moons ago. Um, and a mental health professional actually was telling me like the root of it, or I guess the theory, whatever, is that the, the orgasm or that, that height of pleasure is supposed to be so powerful. It's almost euphoric. It's, it's, it's holy. It's an experience. Or maybe it's so good and you almost die and you call out the Lord instead. I don't know. It's so, it's so unholy <laughs> that when you're fornicating, it would be more appropriate to be like, oh, my devil. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. Because to, to be clear, there's nothing um, sacred about it. There's nothing wholesome about it. When someone's dicking you down, so, the last thing you should be invoking is Christ. Now, look, no, why? <laughs> <laughs> because you take it to, because, and again, we don't yuck the yums, but for some folks who, you know, it, sex for them is an intimate only with their married partner experience a very sacred union they bring they they bring god into that i remember once hearing like you should pray before you have sex or like this woman i think it was like a pastor talking about you know praying for for good sex and bringing bringing god into the into the bedroom with you so i it's because i don't know what, what filthy unholy things you doing over there 
<laughs> you know what? Maybe it is my upbringing because, you know, when I was growing up, the idea was that sex was not supposed to be pleasurable. It was not supposed to be something you did outside mm -hmm. of marriage. It was like for procreation and, and you know, God created sex so that a man and a woman could have a baby and you're not supposed to do it for anything else. And so like, if you're a person of faith and that's the kind of stuff you believe, again, we're not yucking yums. We love mm -hmm. you all. And Lord knows if you like it, I love it. But if that's what you believe, then why are you bringing that into it? Because technically you're fornicating and you're not supposed to be doing that. Please. The mental <laughs> gymnastics, Bianca, that are associated with that. It, I find it fascinating. It's almost like, <laughs> have you ever met like a quote unquote atheist person or whatever? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm whatever. We're not going to get into that today. But then you notice that they all, they reference God sometimes in their comments. And I always want to tap them on the shoulder and be like, hey girl, hey, you don't believe that. So why, <laughs> why are we using this language? <laughs> But going back to what you were just saying, though, I think, but maybe again, you can bring God into it if you're not fornicating. So fornication or the idea of is, is, is the sex outside of marriage or before marriage or what have you. So if you are, in fact, you know, having marital relations, then I guess you can. But, but to your point, and I don't know, I think there's really like a shift in, even in some churches or just a religious community where they're they are bringing back the idea of pleasure into in into the into the boudoir and not just procreation you know it's almost too late because we're almost we're halfway through the month but i'm actually fascinated by that topic of, of mm. like faith communities that are embracing pleasurable sex because i'm going to be honest bianca to my knowledge i didn't even know that they that they that's the thing they were in favor of because they seem to be very you know, I don't even know what the word is. <laughs> and, but hold that. I think we can have that conversation because I think one of our future guests might also, that might be their realm in their lane. We go, we gonna, <laughs> I mean, it, we are only, we are only halfway through orgasmic, orgasmic October. We still got some things up our sleeves. In this week's Need to Know, Where is the Sun Returns? And oh my goodness, we have a doozy this time. And it's so weird that Orgasmic October aligns with this one. Scorpio is here to get us all the way together. We're going to be talking about the scorpion as we celebrate the next zodiac sign. So for those of you who are new to the show, where is the sun is about how you can use the sun's position in the sky to live your best life. And for the first few segments of, of this particular segment, we have been focusing on the 12 zodiac signs. Once we get through all 12, we're going to do something else with where the sun, but this is where we are right now. This month, we're doing Scorpio. As usual, we're using CoStarAstrology.com. If you'd like to follow along with us, CoStarAstrology.com, just as it sounds. Now, Bianca, before we even get into this, uh, before we get into the facts about Scorpio, I just want to say here at the top, Scorpio gets a bad rap. Mm. Um, people who don't even know very much about astrology, they're always like, oh, Scorpio. Either they love Scorpio and they embrace it, or they're like, oh, Scorpio, and they're, they're cutting eyes. As much as I know and love about the Zodiac, I have to be honest with you, I don't know where that came from. Because one of the tenets of astrology is that all the signs are basically the same, like there's no quote unquote good ones or quote unquote bad ones. So the idea that Scorpio or double Scorpio is somehow a thing that is 100% made up, you could say that about any of the signs. So I absolutely want to say before I get into this, there is absolutely nothing wrong with Scorpio. They're not 
they're not any better or worse than any of those signs. Get off of their jocks. They're they're good people. <laughs> they are. I mean, they're not as great as Capricorn, but we haven't gotten there yet. But I definitely <laughs> I I hear what you're saying. So shout out to Angel Brown, co-host of the podcast, Salt Pepper Ketchup is dope if you don't listen. But recently she had a post that said, forget your sun sign. Which zodiac sign raised you so I know you're struggling pain? And I said, friend, a Scorpio raised. <laughs> So I was raised by a Scorpio and I am raising a Scorpio. It's interesting up in this piece. So I, and I, I have been around a lot of them my entire life. So let's give me, I'm going to give you the basics. So Scorpio is generally October 23rd through November 22nd. As I mentioned last month, the dates shift a little bit year to year, which is why some astrologists acknowledge a cusp. Um, we're not going to do all that today. October 23rd through November 22nd, generally speaking. The element is water. The modality is fixed. And the ruling planet is Pluto. Now, Pluto is a wonderful world. Um, as you all know, in astronomy, um, she was downgraded. Wah, wah. <laughs> so she's no longer a quote unquote planet. But we're not going to get into that today. Go, go, go to your science class if you want to know the reasons why. Here are the primary. You got something to say, Miss Ward? You got something to say about Miss Pluto? Yes, because I was just going to say, are Pluto's pronouns she, her? Because Pluto feels like a they, them to me. You know, you know what? You know what? We're not, I'm not a size queen, but I always call Jupiter the guy and Pluto the girl. But I don't, you know what? I need to speak to a counselor. I'm getting, y'all just trust that I'm getting the, the, the work I need. There you go. Here are the traits. Primary emotion is betrayal. We'll come back to that. <laughs> this is Petty this off the top. This is why people feel some sort of way about them. Number two, they look cool in a leather jacket, which I think is an awesome trait. Scorpio is okay with uncomfortable silence. Ooh, I like that about them. Scorpio can't be sure if they're uh, serious or joking, uh, meaning you can't be sure if they're serious or joking when you're around them. Eyes that look into your soul. The scorpion eyes look into your soul. Now, Bianca, just those five traits, I find each and every one of them fascinating for a different reason. Yes, there is an intensity <laughs> that I think all of these traits uh, provoke, invoke, the voke, you know what I mean? And I find Scorpios to be, I don't know, a little intense. There is, there is, there is something that is, strong about them not not that not that they're not any other way but there there is there's a, a unique strength about a Scorpio why don't you give us the famous Scorpios because I find this is always again a very fascinating list and I'm sure you probably looked up the black ones you know, know because there ain't that many up in <laughs> there ain't that you, many on this list this list includes <laughs> so I'll just sprinkle a few from this one Leonardo DiCaprio Charles Manson, which no, <laughs> Marie, Antoinette. Away. <laughs> Marie Antoinette, Bjork, Sylvia Plath. So then, of course, I found the black ones and I was like, yep. So a few of them I'd like to list. Lisa Bonet, definitely give Scorpio. Um, Diddy, RuPaul, Drake, Gabrielle Union, Nia Long, and Whoopi Goldberg. Hmm. That's a very good list. I did not know that. I didn't know about Whoopi. I knew about RuPaul and Drake. I mean, I don't know much about him other than his body, but that's really my <laughs> fault. 
Um, so that's a that's a that's a really good list. Now, some of these careers, <laughs> you see this first one. Should I even read that into this mic? Because you see, now we're reinforcing some of this bullshit. <laughs> yes, read them all. <laughs> Uh, let me let me give the disclaimer because I don't want y'all uh, sending coming into our inbox. This is according to CoStar <laughs> Astrology. Here are the careers for Scorpio: con artist, puppet master, <laughs> <laughs> brooding pri- uh, pro- protagonist. Uh, say, that say that again. Say those two again because you're just sounding rough. <laughs> brooding protagonist, poltergeist and cult leader. And y'all, before we even discuss, <laughs> I want to underscore, this is co-star astrology.com. <laughs> this is not Bianca, not Isaiah, because that list is rough, y'all. That's rough, rough. It is rough and is also intense. But again, it goes back to the strength because <laughs> the love, like you can, I was raised by a Scorpio. And I used to say that I believe that my mother could sell snow to an Eskimo because there was just, there's just something about her personality that makes you want to, she's an excellent leader. So it makes you want to follow her. It makes you want to kind of sign on to, to whatever she's suggesting or doing. And so cult leader, yes. <laughs> Con artist, perhaps. Let me give you a little bit of information about Scorpio's personality. So it says the Scorpio personality is a profound chasm of intimate complexity, or at least how they project themselves. They are difficult people to get to know. They are psychological trap doors. They socialize from behind a double-sided mirror, always scanning, reading you while you are uh, while you can only see your own reflection. So that's that's very interesting, working from like a two-way mirror. That's a, that's a very visual way of saying that. They prefer to be the people asking the questions. They remove your skin with their perceptive scalpel and take inventory of your pulsing viscera. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they probe and push. Welcome to Orgasmic October. They know the little things that make you tick your pressure points, the subtle ways to procure the answer they're seeking, they are keenly aware of power, its flows, and their position within its matrix. Now that last one, Bianca, I think is kind of the one that strikes a note with me. So a lot of people say, Scorpio seems so mysterious. I don't know what to really make of them. What's that about? They are keenly aware of power, its flows, and their position within its matrix. And you remember, I I talk a lot about energies on this show and not all signs really know how to harness the energies that are around us and work through us. And, but I feel like Bianca, I feel like Scorpio is the master of, I was going to say manipulating. I'm not going to use that word of utilizing energies and shifting them. And I think that's what people notice about them. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit from this next passage because I think it's interesting. Despite their ability to be generally popular, there's something very lonely about Scorpios. They have a ruthless view of the world, eat or be eaten. Every human act interaction is a meeting of opposing powerful forces, a clashing of wants and needs where somebody wins and somebody loses. And I think, again, that's this... um, just this in this intensity 
about them, but, but this popularity, because they're a force, like you want to be, you want to be with them. You want to be in their presence. There's something that, that draws you in. And again, numerous Scorpios in my circle, just, um, but I, I even think about my daughter and she's seven. So she a lot anyway, but throughout like when she was in like pre-k etc the teachers would always say she's such a leader all the kids want to do what she's doing i remember going to the school and everybody was like i want to sit next to grace (laughs) and i'm like she ain't nobody i mean she is i love her but but there's something and then she has i've done her birth charts and like multiple things in scorpio so she's like a scorpio 15 times over but again that personality you want to be near them and i think that that can be um but what do they do with that power i think that's when they get the bad rap yes now my moon is scorpio and so i have some influences and i think um to just give it away, the biggest knock against Scorpio is that people find them manipulative. And I think if I'm being honest, I don't think that they intend to be manipulative. I just think that that's how people perceive them. And if I'm, I think it's less about Scorpio and more about the the impression that the other signs get. So, you know, Aries is a natural leader, just to use my own sign as an example. And so we, we feel the most at home at the front of the pack. And so people are often saying, oh, they sure are pushy. They're always bossing people around. And we're like, girl, um, we're not pushy. You're just in the back and we're trying to keep it moving forward. And so depending, it's just, it's your perspective on out on the way that we choose to assert ourselves in the world. It's, it's not even about you. That's just how you are perceiving us. As it relates to Scorpio, I think what's coming through here is that they kind of have their own dimension and people are drawn to them and they don't understand why they're drawn to them. And so what happens is that people are drawn to Scorpio for what they like. And then once they're in that web, they're like, oh, I was, you, you, you drew me in with your mystic powers and now I'm feeling some sort of way. And it's like, oh, but that was you. That wasn't me. You decided to come here. Now just get what you get. And don't get upset. Shall we talk about how to seduce them? Oh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> They have, and I didn't even realize that the favorite color was even a thing on the CoStar Astrology, but it says, what is a Scorpio's favorite color? Scorpio's favorite color is irrelevant. Everything looks black in the dark. That's all I got. That's all it says. I just don't even know what that means. It scares me. Anywho, how to seduce them, shall we? Wear an outfit that makes you look innocent. (laughs) Pair it with slightly smudged eyeliner so they can tell you're a little unhinged under the surface. Number two, dim the lights, put on a mournful Joni Mitchell song and ask them very serious what their deepest fear is. Suggest that this has something to do with their relationship with their mother. (laughs) If they are quick to tell you that they love you, it's a test. Don't say it back until you're sure you both mean it. They scare me, I'm scared. And in that very last one, that's why people find them manipulative because the people, because you know, the smart, there, there are signs that are smarter than Scorpio. I'm, I will say that. And will quickly feel these influences. And, they, and they're trying to figure out what is this about? So you're saying you love me, but clearly you don't really mean it. So why are you playing with my emotions? And for Scorpio, it is a, it is a test. And because they're not just going to follow you, they, they want to first test your will. And so to some of the other signs, that's like, girl, what are you doing? Now to the fire signs, 
you know, we like to roast an ass at any time. So like, this is not going to scare the fire signs because the fire signs are going to be like, okay, bitch, we, we can, we can play with this. Let's go. But to some of the other signs, particularly the earth signs, this is, this is, this is going to be a turnoff. This is not going to be any, this is not going to make them feel anything other than want to get away from you. Do Scorpios fall in love quickly? Scorpios directness in establishing, uh, immediate intimacy causes people to fall for them quickly, but it takes a while to open themselves up to someone enough to really fall in love. They think that love is the capacity for pain. Love means partially relinquishing some of their self-control, and this is especially hard for Scorpio. And so again, I think that people can understand that if you like being in charge, if you like being in control, then the hardest thing for you to do would be to give that up. This is especially true for Scorpio. They are keenly aware of, of how people comport themselves around them. They notice that they kind of freak out some of the other signs. This is, they get a lot of power from that and they don't want to give it up. I can see it. I can Have you ever had a Scorpion lover? I have. And did and and how did you feel about them versus you know sex with any of the other signs? And I asked only because Bianca, mm. um, one of the things the Scorpios are kind of known for is quote unquote being a very sexual sign in terms of like uh, in the bedroom. And so as as much as people rag on them, they do tend to get a lot of credit for being good lovers, whether or not it's earned or not. I don't know. And I think. You remember that thing at the very top of this segment where we're talking about the leather jacket and a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know how to, how, I don't know how to say this, but it's like men are guys that are kind of mysterious. You don't really know, kind of like the bad boy image, mm -hmm. quote unquote, mm -hmm. that, that Scorpio mystique that people find sexy. She's like, Ooh, yeah, you ride a motorcycle. You, you like to wear black. <laughs> Ooh, this is, this makes me hot. Like, and it's like that, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's where Scorpio gets their whole we're sexy vibe from if i'm being honest i just want to know what you think yeah 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 had a scorpio lover not very not very many though i could only think of one in particular um yes but now that i really think about it nothing remarkable <laughs> So, but they definitely did have this, they exuded confidence. I think that was one of the things that drew me to them. Like just really, I mean, just oozed confidence, kind of mysterious, um, had a lot of just swagger, this, this sexiness about them that made me go, oh, wow, like exciting. But then when it got down to it, I was like, oh, okay. They talk a good game, but like <laughs> um, they, they can't back it up. Now, did you find them to be selfish lovers? Yes. <laughs> and, and that's that's the other part. It's like, I've always found that the I've always found, this is not necessarily about Scorpio in particular, but I've always found the best lovers to be the ones that aren't bragging about it. Like, um, like if you have a, a, a big old dick, you don't need to scream and say you have a big old dick. The fact that I know that you have one is because the confidence around you, that's what tells me. It's like when you're a really good lover, you don't have to brag about it. You just, you just, because you know that you can show it. And so for me, that's always been the tale. Now, I usually like to avoid Scorpio because let's, I'm just going to give it away, y'all. Scorpio and Aries really don't get along, um, which is so weird that I, that's my sun and moon. But as two sun signs coming together, 
that is a recipe for a whole lot of mess. And so what I usually tend to do is just be like, oh, hey girl, hey, hey, Scorpio. And Scorpio's like, oh, hey, Aries. But we're just gonna keep going because we can we can really, it can go left real quick. But they're a water sign. <clears throat> water and fire do not go well together. Oh, because you said, <laughs> no, because you said two sun signs. Oh no, or did you say two sun signs that don't go together? So, so what I was saying was that yeah. I'm me, Isaiah, yes. I am Aries sun. Yes. And a Scorpio moon. Mm -hmm. But what I, the point I was trying to make is that another, if I, Aries sun and Scorpio sun do not Got mix. Fair. I wasn't listening. Go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. We're back. <laughs> and we're walking. Yes. Okay. Anything else about Scorpios that you want to note from, from all of the different qualities we have? There's quite a bit that we didn't say, uh, but we never really give the folks everything because they can read. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to end on a high note. So at the bottom where it says are Scorpios good friends, Scorpios are very good friends. They are extremely loyal and deeply compassionate. Scorpios place the highest value on what's real. They don't have time for fake. They are the masters of separating fact from fiction. Scorpios are incredibly self-aware and this enables them to be accountable towards and direct with the people they care about. I just want to I just want to lift that up. Yeah, and I just I think it's important for me to reiterate uh, what I said at the top because even in this conversation, maybe we 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 highlighted more of the the drawbacks of Scorpio. You could do that with any other sign. It just so happens that our tendency is to to draw out Scorpio because a lot of their um, most obvious traits tend to be often perceived as negative. But you could have that same conversation with these other eleven signs, including you know Capricorns especially. <laughs> Don't oh worry. no, friend. When we get to Capricorn, we will let Bianca know everything about her that's, that needs to be fixed. Cannot wait. What do thruples, quads, and polycules all have in common? A lot of people and a lot of love. In today's All the Fields, we are inviting ourselves into the world of polyamory. Poly, polyamory, polymore, poly. What is the polyamory? You say it. I'm not gonna because I, you're setting me up. <laughs> You, we literally just had a conversation last night with one of the wanders, two of them actually. And did I say, did I say the word right? Anyway, where we, where they were basically dragging me across the dinner table about how I can't pronounce certain things on the show. And here she is trying to, <laughs> trying to set me up to get me to pronounce something that she damn well knows that I don't know how to pronounce. So I'm not going to do it. It's whatever the hell you just said. We're going to go with Polly and keep it, <laughs> and keep it cute <laughs> and keep it cute. So I will say this even before we start. I would still love the the Warden Webster one eggs, y'all. I still would love to have somebody or a thruple on the show or someone in a poly relationship and their partners because I really I think you know what we're gonna talk about and the information we're gonna share and just our own kind of thoughts around it is one thing, but to really um, talk with someone in the know and this is kind of their their way of life and how they move about the world is is even more interesting. Um, so one, when I think of so when I think of polyamory, um, also kind of separating it from I'm, I am trying to separate it from like polygamy and um because i think for a long time when i was 
hearing polygamy or seeing it was utah mormons and warren jeffs <laughs> like that was the uh i think the introduction and then big love did you ever watch big love no i don't know what that is okay never mind that it was a very good show on hbo very very big love was a time and so there's so then there's that kind of i think also very negative connotation of like child brides and religion and the some just just we leaving that over there so now and as i i am learning more about especially um black poly couples or black and poly folks uh just the spending more time in the idea of um you know what it means to be in a a romantic relationship with more than one person so even taking the the idea of marriage out of it but embracing the idea of we are in this together and doing some research and we'll definitely as always share the articles there are so many different types of poly relationships that i knew really knew nothing about and names for them child kitchen tables and garden poly and I cannot wait to dive in, but just to kind of just set the level setting, let's do a definition. Um, and this comes from the very well mind article that we'll share. Polyamory is a is the non possessive, honest, responsible, and ethical philosophy and practice of loving multiple people simultaneously, according to the Polyamory Society. Polyamory emphasizes consciously choosing how many partners one wishes to be involved with rather than accepting social norms which dictate loving one person at a time to be polyamorous means to have an open and intimate romantic relationships with more than one person at a time people who are polyamorous can have any sexual orientation and polyamorous relationships can include people of different sexual orientations Unlike open relationships, polyamory is characterized by emotional as well as sexual or romantic intimacy between partners. In contrast to infidelity, adultery, or extramarital sex, polyamory is consensual and disclosed to everyone involved. And so I think that that, a lot in that kind of last piece is is really what, um, what resonates with me and just kind of where I am trying to um, understand more, I think is the, or appreciate um, where it says, unlike open relationships. Cause I think I've heard that too, like folks who are in open marriages, open relationships, et cetera. But this being more um, one consensual and there seems to be more of a, of a love and, and romance and intimacy that lives there rather than just the idea of having sex outside of your partnership before i give any of my before i give any of my opinions about this i have some clarifying questions if i may ask you bianca and i want to acknowledge that you're not an expert so you may I not know not. but i do want <laughs> <laughs> i just want to make sure i know what we're talking about so polyamory as it relates to relationship that's this idea as you just said that you can have emotional attachments physical and otherwise with multiple people at once and I understand that clearly you're not married to them. You're just having relationships with them. You did draw the distinction that it's not about marriage. So how what it, how are we differentiating I, between, go ahead. Sorry. between having intimate 
feelings for multiple people and having intimate feelings for multiple people and being married to them. Like, I don't, I guess I don't see what the difference is really. And I guess it could be both. I think there is, you know, in a lot of states legally, polygamy, like le- to legally wed more than one person isn't allowed. So just the legal aspect of it. And then, so I think you can, if I am not mistaken, and again, that's why we got to have somebody on, you can be polyamorous and which entails you would be polygamous if you are married and in relationship with more than one person. So I guess for me, I'm going to, for this conversation, I think I'm going to take the marriage aspect out of it and just stick to the idea of the being in a a consensual relationship with, with multiple people and everybody knows that we are all in this or, or these relationships exist. 100% 100% fair. And, and I'll, I'll limit my editorial to this I statement. I feel like poly folks are having kind of like their moment where people are embracing the idea that you can acknowledge this, that it's okay, even if we don't agree, like we're not going to yuck yums. And we can, we, they're like, I almost want to say that there's this, people acknowledge that there's a space for this in society. But when it comes to the, to the marriage aspect, I feel like people just completely sh- poo-poo that. And I've never understood why why, why the, literally the same group of people who are like, it's okay to have multiple like feelings for different people and da, da, da. But when you, when we're talking about legal entanglements, <laughs> you <stop it! laughs> then suddenly people are like, oh, but you can't do that. You can't have more than one spouse. But if you want to just be, if you, if you want to love more than one people, we're okay with that. That's so, my I statement. I feel like I see that a lot. Like, cause to me, like a, there's no difference really. But anyway, yeah, I here to talk about marriage because that's really a whole nother thing. We're here to talk about the relationship aspect. Okay, so Polly. Mm-hmm. Not for me, sis. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? Say more. will come as no surprise to the wonders. Yes! Oh my gosh! Look at him! We're not, having a, we're not having a conversation about this, Bianca. Good so job. Thing, I often say to people, so I've, I've, I've always been fascinated with people who choose to be partnered i'm not even going to say married but just they they have a boo but while they have a boo they spend half their time looking for other boos and i'm like you could just be single sis you don't there's no rule that says you have to be booed up so if that's not for you then just don't do it and and i've always thought well i've always felt that relationships mean that you are willing and ready and able willing, ready, and able to commit yourself to one person. That's what being in a relationship is. And if you're not willing to do that, then it's not for you. But what I've noticed is that people just redefine relationships and they're like, you know what? I'm not really ready, willing, and able to be committed to one person, but I am ready, willing, and able to be committed to three people. So I'm going to do that. (laughs) And then I'm just going to redefine what a relationship is. And so I'm like, okay, sis. So, okay. But that's, not what that is really (laughs) i love how traditional you are let me ask you this do you believe that somebody can love more than one person at the same time i think i think you can have your cake and eat it too yes you can (laughs) i think that's how i would say it (laughs) people want to have people want to have people want to have it all bianca and and if i and this is going to sound negative i i think polly is people having their cake and eating it too Mm. and that's what it feels like to me and because here's the thing i i don't know that i would have the time (laughs) to commit emotionally 
I find it hard to commit to one person emotionally. How, how do you find the time to get to know, to get to love, to create space in your heart for multiple people? That sounds like a lot of work. It really does. I'm just giving y'all the real talk. I don't know how I would, I don't know how they do it. Monday through Wednesday. No, I don't. <laughs> no, it, it just requires, I mean, you know what it's like to fully invest in the in the wants and dreams and fears of another person. I don't know how you can do that simultaneously with multiple people. It just feels, it feels to me like if there's three of them, two of them are going to get less of you than the, than than one of them will by by design. Mm. It's just, I think, I statement that it's impossible to equally yeah. share yourself with multiple people. I just don't know how you do that. I am, I am, I am curious about it as well. And I think, and I don't know, and maybe even for this, this segment, it's really more about the questions that, that we have. Um, because as you were describing it, and I, I can't even really equate the two, but I'm going to just a little bit, whatever, thinking of it, like for me as a parent, right? I can love both of my children. I do love both of my children. Something you said, though, about having the time, the energy to give to both, it, it, I can't always do that. <laughs> so I know when, like, I am giving, um, but at the same time, because I love them both, I am going to work hard and be intentional about finding balance, finding some way to balance. And so I wonder if in a poly relationship, it is also that, like, I, I love these two people so much that I am going to flex or try to figure out or we are going to figure out together some type of way to find balance and and another thing too that we'll kind of get into later but because there's so many different types of poly relationships so it's not always a throuple or three people right so if it's a quad and it's four people depending on what that makeup is, it might be a better balance. So I was, as you were speaking, I was thinking, so let's say, let's say the poly is three, three folks. Mm -hmm. It would, the only way that it would work in my mind is if all three experience had experiences together and that, there, and that there wasn't twos breaking off. So in other words, on every date, if all three of them are there, then as you're sharing a story or sharing a moment, if you can all share in it together, then maybe but if i if i'm in a poly three that's what i'm just gonna call it for shorthand if i'm in a poly three mm -hmm. and i have a one-on-one -on -one date with one and i'm sharing whatever experiences with that person and then i have a one-on-one -on -one with the other then those experiences are by design different they're not going to be exactly the same and so the conversations the experiences the emotions if they're not shared with with everyone in poly three then you run the risk of the the, the two offs developing their own bonds, if that makes mm. any sense. And so uh, to me, the only way it was we would work in a poly three is that all three are always together. When I say always together, all on the dates together, in the bed together, in the intimate moments together, because if somebody misses out and there's some sort of connection that's made without them, well, then they're already, they're behind, so to speak. Mm. And, and what you are describing, because there is a term, is kitchen table polyamory. <laughs> I know, who knew? I'm going to read what that is. <laughs> You're so silly. Some polyamorous folks enjoy getting to know their part, their partner's partners. They want to be friends with them and in some situations have independent relationships with them, platonic or sexual. And it, it 
and that extends beyond their shared partners. This is referred to as kitchen table polyamory. Kitchen table polyamory is a concept that everyone involved in the polycule, um, the group of people connected, or constellation would be open to or even enjoying sitting together at a kitchen table, sharing coffee or breaking bread. Wright says, folks who identify this type of polyamory want to know and be friends with their metamors. So polyamory is kitchen table polyamory is really that relationship where we are kind of often together we can all be together at the same time for a meal for whatever and i think that that's kind of what you're you're describing like if we're going to do it so that everybody um is able to have that intimate connection or what have you then we're going to be doing life together essentially and and for practical purposes the the kitchen table poly what was the word you use polysyl kitchen table polyamory um for as as a practical matter that would only work with three or four once you get beyond four it's just it's no longer practical at least in my <laughs> in my in my imagination of it because how are we syncing up calendars and things and just and just how much coffee and bagel do you need <laughs> you got a small now it's a lot of people <laughs> at the table we're not trying to feed i mean hell <laughs> bread is hot <laughs> Show inflation. How are you taking everybody on dates with um? You would need a wagon. You would need a wagon. It's just it's not gonna work. So so again, I think in the kitchen table um example, and I think we can talk. I think, I think if I'm understanding it, probably what's more likely is that you're having multiple relationships, but you're not all together together at the same time. But for the kitchen table example, it would have to be no more than four people. I, I just cannot imagine that it would work with more than that. Maybe I mean. In my vision of it, that wouldn't work. <laughs> I, again, going back to, you know, just just the the idea of of people who have a whole lot of kids, like really just being able to connect all of the time with all of those folks. Like I, I stay, I couldn't, but there are people who do, and so I mean, maybe Bianca a relationship could look. Similar. No, no, it can't. It couldn't. <laughs> it, it, it you and I are just two people, and it takes us a damn hour to talk about three topics on this <laughs> show. So, so if four people, <laughs> if four people are at the coffee table talking about the, the news of the day, it would take damn four hours just for everyone to have a say in the topic. <laughs> you get on my nerves, uh, but maybe we have poor time management. <laughs> some of the other types because I think yes. this would help the wonders know kind of what we're talking about and kind of see it as as, as all the possibilities that they that they have if it's something that they're curious about okay so Bianca here is the example of non-hierarchical polyamory and I can't stand you for putting all these tongue twisting words in front of me you know damn well sometimes I say it damn well that I can't read all that but you know what you know what this <laughs> the battle is not mine it's it's not the Lord's either because you are struggling today and he is not being held accountable for that. But um, I love these examples. They tickle me. Carry on. Here's the example. John has had consistent two partners for a while, but he just hit it off with a new partner and has shifted his schedule to make more time for them. So that's an example of non-hierarchical polyamory. When, with non-hierarchical poly, every partner is considered 
when it comes to making big decisions. And there isn't a ranking system the same way that there is in hierarchical polydynamics. Girl, I want to get into these ranking systems because we're about to piss some people off. So there are no primary or secondary partners. Bianca, this language here is triggering me. Because <laughs> you want to be the first and second wife. <laughs> if I'm not primary, fuck you. <laughs> I, I, to me, it, okay, so you just read non-hierarchical. Let me, let me go back to the hierarchical polyamory. So the example is John lives with his wife and they each have a boyfriend they see once a week. So this is, and so in the hierarchical polyamory, there is the language about primary partner and secondary partner. So the primary would be the wife, John's wife, the secondary would be then his boyfriend, right? And so your primary partner may be the person you live with, share a bank account with, and are even married to. They are your first priority. Then you may have a second partner who you see less often. You don't necessarily love your second partner any less. It's more about the time and energy you give that partner. So uh, isn't the second partner or the secondary partner, isn't that the side piece? Isn't that what we used to call them in the hood? <laughs> no, because that makes them it, seem less than. When you're, when it's you're not, the secondary no, because partner. A side, no, because a side piece is usually not known to the the main partner. So that again, is a very good distinction. And thank exactly. you for reminding me because side pieces are very hidden. <laughs> that that part, okay. They work in shadows only. <laughs> that part. And then may come to the house and drop their earring in the bed and act like they weren't there. But <laughs> the how this again is different is everybody knows there is this is consensual non-monogamy right so that's important too like there is there is this understanding but these two types that we just described with it being hierarchical and non-hierarchical is is just two different types of polyamory you want to go to the next one so we did kitchen table but go ahead okay so we did kitchen table and we just we discussed hierarchical and non-hierarchical I hope I'm sounding okay with these <laughs> with these hard ass words. Oh, a word I can pronounce. Parallel poly. <laughs> Go ahead. Good, good job. example. John has a wife and a girlfriend, but his wife and girlfriend have never met in person. So that, Bianca, that's fairly straightforward. And if I'm being honest, I guess if I had to do it, this is the one that I would want. Okay. Where you, where there is no connection with that other person, like, you know, oh. they exist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you are going, you know, it's Tuesday. I know you're not coming home because you're there, but I don't need to. Know I don't want to know what they look like. I don't okay. want to know their name because, because in this way it's, I feel like it's walled off. So I won't be comparing myself to that person. I won't be thinking about, you know, why does, why does this person why are you interested in this person, et cetera, et cetera. So like, if we're just going to be open and honest, and I know that that person is there, but I, that's all I know about them, that would be my preference. I think, I think, I think what's interesting about this article is like, there are literally nine different types, but so far out of one, you've been like, hmm, okay, maybe I could see myself there. Like I can see how that works. And that's so, the parallel one. Now this garden party, girl, what, what's going on? So the garden party polyamory example, John has a birthday dinner coming up 
and his wife and girlfriend will both be in attendance. So it says some this folks- is mass. No. <laughs> This is mess. This no. is mess, but go ahead. <clears throat> Some folks don't want to have a relationship with their metamor while they're not looking for kitchen table polyamory. They also recognize how challenging pi- parallel polyamory can be when you two, when you have two serious romantic partners, enter garden partner poly. The name comes from the idea that you could all be friendly and social at a large garden party. So you don't mind seeing them periodically and are not looking to keep everything separate. Now, now this is why I say it's mess. After we <laughs> sing happy birthday, or if that's what you used to do, or you open your gift, um, who do you thank first? Who do you kiss first? Who do you look at first? Because, hey girl, hey. While we may be real comfortable with this poly, you can't look at everybody at the same time. You can't kiss everybody at the same time and have it be good. So like, <laughs> who who gets the first of the first? Who gets to speak first? Who gets to hug you first? And now if everyone's at the garden party, this is mess because, because you have to make, this is where you have to make a choice. And so I would assume that, again, these horrible terms you're using, I would assume that primary gets the first kiss, gets the first acknowledgement, gets the first I love you and then secondary and tertiary they get in line get in line Effie is how it's gonna work (laughs) I get in line Effie but I think we are making the assumption that the secondary or tertiary uh partners um care that that they care because they they absolutely come and tell you how I know they care they love they love John. We've already established Beyonce. Yes. See, this is this yes. is where this is why I say it's mess. And they they We've might already... love John so much that they don't mind sharing that. I think it's also wait. Let me say let me say this. I think there is a level of um, I, I I would think, and again, we have to get somebody on in order to have a successful or healthy or whatever poly relationship. There has to be a removal of the jealousy. I think where I think, you know, you some cannot, of the examples, but you can't re- if you're a human being, if you're a human being, you can't. Now you can talk a good game. And you can be like, Oh, I'm not jealous. I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. You can want to not be jealous. You can set that as a aspirational goal. But Bianca, that's not how that works. Now you you're you're grown, you're grown ground, you know, that's not how that works. Let me give you let me give you a concrete example. When I step into someone's home, one of the very first things I do is thank you for having me over in your home. I, I brought you some a little something to to warm your house. I greet, um, you know, the 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 man of the house, the woman of the house, the, the two men, the two women, whatever the situation is. I acknowledge the heads of the household. Now, if I'm at the garden party, Polly, and I want to acknowledge the host, <laughs> this is just it's already fraught because because what I don't want to do is I don't want to offend John so if John has multiple significant others I can't go to John's birthday and just acknowledge him in primary because that would be rude to John I would imagine <laughs> you can acknowledge everybody maybe not all at once but you can acknowledge everybody why can't you <laughs> look at your face I love you so much I just think about how this works. And it, so it just sounds so perfect, but in a practical sense, mm-hmm. I just don't get it. And it's particularly I, if they're all present. I think there is, 
there's so many shows I want you to watch because another one is called it's um it's actually a reality show but it's called Seeking Sister Wives and it's literally couples couples that are seeking a a a third or fourth person in there it's a it's a tickle child I think I got this black couple on there but neither here nor there. it just sounds like you're inviting dysfunction we haven't even gotten to the children yet because lord <laughs> but anyway thruple now this is the one that I think is a little bit more it's a, it's popular I think in terms of pop culture so the example John has a wife and boyfriend so now we're talking who are also in a romantic relationship with one another so this is truly like three people all together threesome, thruple, whatever you want to say. This is probably the most, this is the most popular one in pop culture. I think that would be fair to say, Bianca. I think, uh, I think so. I think the idea that, yes, we are all romantically involved with each other, as opposed to, I think, some of the other ones that have been, like, there is some type of separation. I think I might be conflating, like, even in the previous one, I think I'm thinking about it more as a thruple, whereas maybe that's not what it is. So maybe my example of going to the party and acknowledging it would be more app for the thruple. Perhaps, perhaps, because I think in the, in the thruple, there is, again, if the, if there isn't, you're right. Like everybody has feelings. Folks can get jealous, maybe not as jealous as others. But if this, if we are all in this romantic relationship together, we're all loving each other, then maybe it's it, that maybe it removes some of that. Oh, I just, it just occurred to me. The okay. thruple is the only one where they're equal partners. There's no ranking here. So in other um, words, there's no primary, secondary. In the thruple, we're all equals, correct? Mm -hmm. That's what it sounds that, like. That's true mess. That that's the, the other ones are just messy. This is this is true mess because because again, so now there's no there's no primary and secondary. Now it's like we're all equals. So then at the door, when, again, I'm coming into your home for the function. At the door, I'm gonna greet all three at the same time. And that's can, mess. That's mess. You, you can't do that. <laughs> which so I said so I said that the parallel would be my choice. If you had to be in one, which one would you pick? Maybe kitchen table. Give me the example for kitchen table again. John, his husband, and their two boyfriends occasionally <laughs> go out to dinner together. <laughs> because I think there's something, I don't know. So the kitchen table sounds more communal. Like we really are all in this kind of thing together, which is, which kind of sounds like the throuple though. Um, but I think the difference is that with the kitchen table, there isn't necessarily um, everybody in a romantic or sexual relationship with each other. Whereas the thruple, they it, they are a, a, a unit. Do you think that uh, poly would work better with um, uh, cis heterosexual people? Or do you think it works better with queer people? And I'm, then I'll tell you what I think. Interesting. Um, I think because I have I have seen or at least I've heard it going both ways in terms of with queer folks um, having relationship and then there are same gender relationships within their their throuple or whatever. Um, but I've also heard it where where it's probably more like the. Mm, 
more like the parallel poly where where it could be a heterosexual relationship so John has his wife, has his girlfriend. Those two never, never meet and connect. Um, so I don't know. What What do you think? I think it could go so, both ways. <clears throat> I've seen a number of relationships where I've had relationships with guys who were married to women who, when they married the woman, they were in the closet. And, and so they had that relationship. It was meaningful to them on some level, but they were they were gay all along. They just were in the closet. And then when they decided to acknowledge the sexuality, they didn't divorce their partner. They didn't necessarily cut off all of their relationship with that partner. They just switch. They moved, they moved their intimate feelings to like their gay relationships, but they still have relationships with these women. And so in some cases, you know, the guy knows the woman or knows she exists, whether or not they've met. And so I don't know that these people would, would put a poly label on it. But in a lot of instances, like the guy is still take financially taking care of the woman, but you know is in a relationship intimately with the with the guy, and so it's a, it's analogous to this. And so I I see how that could grow out of the poly can grow out of something that was something else at one point. Um, I say all that to say that in my mind, you'd have to be someone who really believes in boundaries and, and, and adhering to boundaries and not have issues with jealousy. If you don't, if you have issues with boundaries, if you have issues with jealousy, and I have issues with both, um, then this is, this is not for you. This, this, no, 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 no. So you have to be someone who is, who is steadfast in those, because if you're easily jealous, well, then Bianca, that's not going to last very long at all at all. And so another, um, so one of the, the other article that, that we have from Very Well Mind, towards the bottom it says avoid, it has a whole section on avoiding relationship issues. Um, and one of the things it mentions is just what you said is establishing rules and boundaries. A big part of, of Polly is ensuring that all partners are on the same page when it comes to emotional and physical boundaries, including when and whether to divulge details about relationships or your polyamorous sta status with others, how often to spend time with each other and other people, what sexual acts are okay and what are not, and what safety practices will everyone follow. And so that's one of the things that, you know, I think is, is big. Like it, there is a, I would also think to me, um, a, for a, a poly relationship to be successful, I would think that there would have to be a really solid level of communication. Like really, like we are, the the communication has to be clear and open and consistent because if not once one person stops talking or starts hiding or starts you know whatever and and crossing some of those those boundaries or choosing not to quote unquote follow the rules i think that that's where it could also get messy you haven't even mentioned the biggest issue in my mind let's talk about money hey girl hey <laughs> This whole conversation has been cute, but let's talk about the money. Now, we all at this here garden party, who the hell's paying? <laughs> Whose house are we at? What, what What's going on with the money, Bianca? Because it was cute up until now, but now I'm really confused. And when you say what's going on with the money, meaning- You know what I'm- go, Hey, go ahead. <laughs> don't, don't play with me, Bianca. You know what I'm talking about. Now, even within traditional couples, mm -hmm. what they normally fall out about 
is money. I think it's seven or eight out of 10 couples fall out about the money. It ain't, it ain't nothing else. They ain't concerned about the sex. And they ain't concerned about the family. It's the, it's the coinage <laughs> that they fall out about. Now, when there's a, when there's extra people involved, first of all, I wasn't there last night. Y'all running up my light bill, my water bill, having sex in the bed, fucking all over the house. I wasn't even there. Why am I paying a third of this bill? What, what's going, what's going, he only got one dick. Who's getting it tonight? <laughs> can we, can we, let's be clear. How are we, how, well, let's talk about the money. <laughs> What if, what if, what if all three of us are independently wealthy and it doesn't matter? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way, Bianca. See, now you, you, you're back to this utopic, whatever. It it doesn't work that way. By design, somebody makes the most and someone makes the least. What are we doing? But even in a, so, okay. Mm, Okay. So, and so what I hear you saying also is, is equating the money or who has it with the amount of then power. Or okay, let me let me give an example. Say. Let me okay. give an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the poly. Uh, we both have a husband. I'm primary. You're secondary. And he giving me, uh, giving me all these allowances. He putting rings on my fingers. I'm walking around in different shoes every day. And because you're secondary, you get my hand me downs. When I'm done with these <gasps> shoes, you get the shoes, and then I get the new Jimmy shoe, and then you get the how? Because well, let's be clear. As in this example, you're secondary. So I would imagine that the ranking goes that secondary doesn't get anything that primary can't, doesn't allow secondary to have. No, why are you making it on some some concubine type shit? <laughs> like, Bianca, you know, don't put don't put this on me. I'm using the words that were yes. given that were put okay. in front of me to to define the relationship. And if yes. I'm using the wrong words, you give me the right ones to use. So again, so maybe so because I think. And it and it already said so. There is hierarchical, which is what you're describing, and then there's non-hierarchical. So what if I am getting Jimmy Choo and she is getting Jimmy Choo? I guess in the example that I use, we're gonna go, let's just go with the hierarchical, and okay. I'm primary. Yeah. Secondary don't get nothing that I don't approve because I'm above secondary by definition. But what if you love secondary too and you want her to have nice things? <laughs> I don't. I want I want old girl to stay in her place. Stay in your place, little girl. <laughs> you you secondary. Yeah. So so you get you get the scraps. That's how that works. Now Why? you don't like now Bianca, you don't like it. So so again, maybe hierarchical isn't for you. <laughs> you need to try one of the not, other nine. One of the nine flavors. <laughs> but I think in all honesty, I, I give it a week before money becomes an issue. But gas is high, girl. You spending all your money running over to secondary. Let's have a conversation. She better live across the hall. (laughs) We all just hear compound together. (laughs) I have so many questions, but I think it. And so, and it's very interesting how we are thinking just, just very opposite sides of the coin, because I think in your world, there is, there are those power dynamics between primary and secondary and she can't have it. But in mine, primary and secondary are friends and they, they are, they're equals in this, in this here relationship. Why do they have to be, why, why are we already pitting them together? And it doesn't have to be that way. You ever met a couple and um, (laughs) it's a a traditional couple, just two people Mm -hmm. and they really love each other so much. And you went to the wedding and it was so beautiful and they just seemed inseparable. They just, it was like, it was beautiful. And then something somewhere along the way, they fell out. And they are like dragging each other on social media. They in the courthouse every day fighting like two fucking cats. And you're like, what happened? They loved each other so much. I can't imagine that they are setting each other houses on fire and like 
threatening the, the people in the schoolhouse and just showing they ass. Bianca, no matter how into it you are when times are good, people fall out like you will never believe. And trust and believe, if three people can fall in, three people can fall out, and girl, that's about to be some mess. Now you, you do what you want. <laughs> And that's why maybe I recommend a quad so that everybody leaves with somebody. <laughs> I just want everybody to love. <laughs> everybody gets a consolation prize. <laughs> you get a partner. You get a partner. We all get partners. I just, um, I'm going to read this last piece and then we are going to, um, but again, about the uh, avoiding relationships issues, it's they talk about supporting each other. They talk about avoiding comparisons. Although it is human nature, do your best to avoid the comparison game. For example, don't go and book an extravagant trip for two just because your partner had a weekend getaway with one of their other partners. And then that's the, rooted in jealousy. Uh-huh. And then the last one is express your feelings and needs. Jealousy is a common feeling that can come to the surface in a poly relationship. Communicating these feelings instead of letting them consume you is the key to polyamory. In fact, a common term used in polyamory is comparison. Com no, comparison? Comparison? Oh, now I sound like you. Compersion, C-O-M-P-E-R-S-I-O-N. Or the feeling of joy from seeing your partner happy with another partner. This is the opposite of jealousy. Yes, and a lot of people say the high of, because we've seen that in married couples where they invite in a third party because the high is seeing their partner be pleasured by someone else. And I, I, that's a really big fantasy, I think, particularly with straight men, I believe. I could be wrong, but I, I think um, that that's one of their primary ones. Um, but here's the thing, Bianca, as you, were, as you were reading that, I was also thinking about the sexual aspect. This is Orgasmic October. You know, I think in Apollo, you run the risk of discovering that the sex you're having with one of them you favor more than the other. And now we're on the pathway to maybe switching up some of these designations. I mean, that's to me, the biggest issue aside from developing feelings for multiple people that end up in a place you did not anticipate is when you're exploring with a person, you never know where it's gonna end up. And so this is the other part of it that I that is fraught for me. All these rules and things would have to be fluid because mm -hmm. as you get to know people, learn their bodies, your feelings and emotions are going to shift and change. So I would imagine if these rules are revisited constantly, they'd have to be. They could be. But I think even in a, even in a traditional relationship, there are still times where you are in your relationship. So you're at the one-year mark, you're at the three-year mark where you're kind of revisiting and you're getting to know that person in a different way. And you're starting to learn like the person that you are with is is not the same so example i've i've been with cliff 16 years cliff now is not the same as he was 16 years ago mm -hmm. and and in some ways i'm glad for that right like growth maturity experience life so in any relationship that you're in you to to be in that relationship and want to you have to be in you have to be willing to invest the time to get to know your partner over and over and over again so the and that's just with one person and that's just with one child and i gotta learn you and you and you 
I mean, but more power to it. I think, I think this is, so I was looking up the stats and it says four to 5% of couples of people in the US are in, in some type of poly relationship. And so that's not even a, it's definitely the minority, but I think the more we explore, ask questions, don't yuck yums, be curious to what that's like. And that's to even say that it's for us, but I, I, I don't know. I like this idea of, of not being held to the traditional or at least being open to exploring what your relationship could look like with your with your partner or partners i know we have to move on and i know you're not mm-hmm. a lawyer but if you were to uh if someone were to pass could one of the polys uh put a claim in in court for some of this house and and treasure because now talk about mess y'all but i'm being very serious you got all these relationships all across town could could they make a claim on your inheritance yes if i would say and with anything else what what wills what things do you have in place oh, y'all. Uh, and then yeah. you go back to money <laughs> may of last no, 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 year uh, you know what i know I, I, I know order. i know we're not yucking yums <laughs> i'm gonna have to I, I know we're not yucking yums but i'm gonna really have to encourage the wonders to stay away from this because this right here sounds like it's so... it sounds like mess to me <laughs> It to you, but we are going to find someone who is who is doing it and 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 doing it well. Doing, hey, come on, LL, um, and he can break it down and and answer some of the questions that we have. So again, if you are Polly or can recommend somebody, or we want to talk to them, really, I I really do. Past October, I want to have this conversation again. We know it's not for Isaiah, you know what it is. <laughs> I, this next one is absolute for me. Exactly. In this week's in this week's gotta do, we're talking about journaling as we return to our 22 things you gotta do in 2022 to live your best life. And this week we're talking about journaling in the sexy way. Now, I think it was you, Bianca, that put journaling on the list. And we were thinking about how we wanted to close out this show. And I was like, you said, let's do journaling. But then I was like, let's tie it back to Orgasmic October because why not? And I actually don't keep a sex journal, but I might start because I am fascinated by the concept of sex journaling. As usual, we will send you the articles that are underpinning this segment. But here are the three reasons why you should do it. Number one, a sex journal can help you process your experiences. Number two, you might learn more about your sex drive. And number three, sex journaling might make it easier to communicate with your partner. Now, if we just take the sex out of it, Bianca, I think this is probably the one area where 100% of listeners can truly understand and see the value in journaling. It is a personal thing. I don't know that it's a rule, but I, I don't know anyone that shares their journal with someone else. It's just, it's a private thing. You can, I suppose, but it's really just for you. It's a, a, a diary, a journal, whatever you want to call it. You you write out your thoughts. And, the, and, the, and the, I, the process here, Bianca, is that by writing them out, it helps you process them. So as opposed to just contemplating internally, you write it out, you get to read it and reflect. And the process of writing it out and seeing it on paper and reading it helps you process it more. So just if you were doing a journal or a, or a diary for, you know, any, for life, the sex diary or journal is the same thing. It's the same concept, but it's about your, you know, your, your getting down with the get down. So to me, that's very straightforward. And I'm surprised that I didn't think of it sooner. 
I know you got a sex diary over there. Don't do that. Under one of them beds. <laughs> you know what? Now that I think about it, I didn't have, maybe I did. So I will say this. And I, I think in my, in my youth, Bianca back in the day used to write and journal a lot, high school, college, but also I didn't have social media and smartphones. <laughs> consuming all of my time. I don't do it as much as I used to. Um, but I do recall that I would uh, write about my sexual conquests <laughs> and the folks I was taking down in the bedroom. No, but I, um, in, in a, for two reasons. One, just to, I don't know, have that memory, which again is why Doreen told me, Bianca, stop writing things down because then she was finding out my business. And I think that led to why I stopped writing things well, down. I want to draw a distinction because some people do do the sex tapes, but they don't, but they do it for a different reason because they like to get off on watching it back later. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people find that hot. I guess, Bianca, what I'm saying is that it's my understanding or it's the way that I think about it. That's different than like a journal that's helping you process how to communicate better or process how to become a better lover. It's so you're not using the journal to get off per se, whereas you might record it, the sessions, because you want to watch them later because you want to get off to them later. To me, the journaling is not about getting off. It's about internal work. Are we on the right page or are we on the wrong page? We are. I don't know how sex tapes came into it, but yes. <laughs> but, well, because I'll tell you what, thank you. I can, I can untangle that because in both instances, you're documenting your experiences. So uh, like if you, okay. if you just set up a camera in the corner to mm -hmm. capture what you're doing, you're documenting it on yeah. video versus writing it out later. You could, you could just write it in a journal. You could just tape it. Same got thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. You. You. Yes. Go ahead. You want to do the prompts or you want me to give the first few? Let's, uh, you give the first five. So we have 10 sex journaling prompts here. So in other words, if you're interested in sex journaling, um, you want to give it a try. These prompts are to help you get started with that. And I will give you the first five. Number one, write about your first sexual experiences. Inter uh, interpret sexual experience any way you like, even if it's about your first kiss. We'll come back and, and break these apart after I give all five. Number two, write about your last sexual experience. How is it different from your first sexual experience? Number three, what were you taught about sex as you grew up? What did you know and what did you not know and what did you need to know? Number four, how has your views on sex changed over time? And number five, describe a sexual fantasy you have. So Bianca, I think the first two kind of like um, your first and second experiences, I'm, I'm sorry, your first and last experiences those are kind of like an arc of your sexual evolution, which we talked mm -hmm. about at the top of this month. So those are a no brainer. What were you taught and grew up? Now that I could write a whole, I could write a whole book about mm. the lack of communication, the lack of um, people willing to share information with me. And then, so that's really more depressing than anything else, <laughs> but it, it really, it helps you understand what you know and don't know. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love number five, describe a sexual fantasy you have. I would argue I would do a sex journal every month. And for one, for one month, 30 days, I would just journal a different sexual fantasy every day. And then what I would do is, is that when I meet the new boo, I would be like, <laughs> so I have a whole journal of fantasies that you can pick from. Flip through this book and let me know what you want to try tonight. <laughs> Come on, choose your own adventure. <laughs> it's like a menu. It's like a sex menu. You bring them back to the bed and you're like, oh, well, I have a menu. Fine. <gasps> Let's do sex menus. 
Oh my gosh, that is because I was Cliff would so love you. Like, I'll take that and I'll take that. Could you? Could you? <laughs> and hold, a side of that. Could you hold the gravy? <laughs> <laughs> You're a mess. Uh, oh my god, can we pull that thread? So you could do an app. So you do the sex menu. You have an appetizer. Maybe the appetizer is a blowjob, and then you do the main course, and that's whatever your main course is going to be. And then your dessert can be. A little topper. Bianca, that's a cute idea. <laughs> that is, you are very excited about this. <laughs> I cannot I wait. I might low key do a little menu for my bedroom. I think you should. I and they can only pick one from each column. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, a la carte. <laughs> it's so cute. I'm doing it. And, I have to and do no, it sub- no substitutions. No, no <laughs> you, kitchen is closed. <laughs> you take what you get. As it is written, it you shall it be late, done. You come after two o'clock, the kitchen is closed. You get what you get. <laughs> oh my God. You better do the menu, have it laminated and above your bed. Oh my God. We are so silly, but that is a great idea. I'm going to go to the next five. You are a mess. <laughs> the next five prompts. <laughs> Turn a sexual experience into a piece of short fiction. Describe the setting, use dialogue, write erotic descriptions, which is perfect for our book for this month. <laughs> write a poem about a sexual experience. Number eight, write about the best sex partner you have ever been with. Describe your time together. That could be tricky. Number nine, what changes, if any, would you like to make about your sexual self? What sexual changes would you like to see your partner make? And number 10, write a sexual confession to your partner as someone or someone you admire. Be straightforward or as kinky as you would like. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think the... I like I like all of these. These are excellent prompts. Like if you're like, oh, sex journaling, like what would I what would that even look like? I think these prompts are like a really good place to start. I I only mentioned the that could get tricky part for number seven or about writing the best write about the best sex partner that you've ever had because what if it's not your current partner? You know, but I think that that is still something um worth exploring, unpacking documenting cherishing in that little dusty journal under the bed you know i think one of my i think my best sexual partner was a was a one-timer actually and um i say i think because i don't think about my experiences in that way but every time i think about the best sex i've ever had he comes to mind so i'm just gonna go with that um and i remember so much about that experience but if i had to like you can't replicate experiences, even if if someone did all the same things, it just would not be the same. And so there's really no reason for lovers to be jealous about hearing about other experiences because they're so unique to the time period that you're living in, your body at the time, what you liked at the time. There's so many things that go into that that can't really be replicated. At least that's been my experience, Bianca. And even when I've had some, like I remember I had some, some fuck buddies that I kind of fooled around with before I had a relationship. I had my relationship and then I went back to some of those fuck buddies because I was like, oh, I remember what this used to be good. And when I got with them the second time, it wasn't. It's like, because we had both changed and, you know, it just, it wasn't the same anymore. That is very, that is very, very true. Because I think it's interesting when some folks like 
kind of talk about like you break up with somebody you date some other folks and they're like well you know you go back to the go back to the penis you know or you go back to the sex you know like go meaning going back to that past partner but it's not necessarily the same for the for the reasons that you've described and also um yeah where you are in your own growth your own emotional space what you have learned that you now like that that last partner didn't do mm. Mm-hmm. That part. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you got to do this week is do some journaling. If you haven't done any, if you haven't done it before, give it a try. Use these prompts and tips. We will share the article that we use to underpin this discussion um, this week on social media. So let's get on out of here, sexy kittens. <laughs> what is it? Cool cats and ki- no, you don't even what are you doing a little jet set anyway okay um to wrap us up don't forget loves october's ward and webster beauty shop book club book speaking of writing about your sexual fantasies is the sex chronicles by zane we will be reviewing on our october 29th episode once again we are reminding you to send us your sexy wonderisms I did that just for you. Send us your sexy wonderisms. These are the questions, the comments, the thoughts, the things you want us to answer or share on this here podcast so that we can have them ripe and ready for our fifth Saturday episode, a way to close out Orgasmic October. And just to recap, it is Scorpio season and we love them. That's it. We we have to. They just trap us in their web. Do Scorpios have web? What are you doing? <laughs> we we love the power that they are, and we appreciate it. Mm-hmm, that's you. <laughs> we appreciate it. Where am I? That's what we want you to know to feel. Polly might not be for everybody, but if it's for you. We want to know about it because we know it's not for Isaiah. He already he already done put it out there, just yucking the children's yum. But again, if you're in a thruple, bring that on over to Word and Webster. We want to know. And in Gotta Do, we want you to write it down. Get Break out that journal. Write about those sexual thoughts, fantasies, and experiences for you to treasure and learn from for years to come. Visit Word and Webster every week no let's try that again visit wordandwebster.com every week we have new episodes every saturday we come on here (laughs) isaiah messing up words i'm just struggling but we bring it to you why because we love you and this is what you need also wonders please please make please 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 make sure you are telling folks about this here podcast we are damn near 90 episodes in and we appreciate the listeners and we want to bring new folks on so make sure that you share this here goodness you can hear warden webster everywhere you listen and get your podcast so that's what you always gotta do on that note i am bianca maybe down for whatever maybe not ward you're a wander and you just had a baby uh Keep listening, changing their diapers. We love you and welcome. Yes, welcome. (laughs) I'm Isaiah Webster. I'm not into Polly, but that's okay. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. (laughs) 